Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. In this episode, we'll be speaking with clinical psychologist Michael Damien, who is a listener of the show. Michael wrote me that although he did not have a near-death experience, something profound happened to him in 2006. He sent me a quote that left me highly intrigued, which was, Die before you die, that you might live. Michael is a teacher of self-realization and holds public meetings in America and Europe and offers personal guidance and mentoring for all those who wish to awaken in love and truth. He's the author of the forthcoming book to be published in 2017 called The Art of Freedom, A Guide to Awakening, and his website is michaeldamian.org. So it's with great pleasure that I say, Michael Damian, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, thanks. And I and I spoke just a few minutes before we started recording this that believing in life after death is great, but then it's like, well, how do you live life? And so I'm excited because we've never met really, except for on Facebook and emails, but just to get into a little bit more depth of living life fully. So I'm I'm really intrigued, and thank you also for being a listener of the show. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I really. I really love listening to the the interviews and and uh, what I'm struck by and why I wrote is that the show seems to me it's really about spiritual awakening. It's about the awakening that can happen when we when we die, when we have a brush with death, and that uh, we can also have an awakening without that brush with death. So um, yeah, I think it's it's about this greater uh, shift of awareness that's possible. Yeah, and that's good news because some of the near-death experiences that I've heard are pretty scary and painful and to be able to have an experience and like a new birth, you know, and live a powerful life, like that's that's really good stuff. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, Mm -hmm. Just maybe a little bit about your past and how you Mm -hmm. got to be where you are now. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I started my professional life on a track toward um, international affairs. I was a student of politics and history, and I I was interested in questions of world peace and and so forth. Um, but um, I was I from childhood I had a very strong um, sense of spirituality. Um, I had a very strong drive towards self development, uh, awareness, observing. And that, that, I suppose that tendency in me reclaimed my life around in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially as, as I was questioning what to do with my, uh, my life, my career. And so I was, I was drawn toward uh, more and more towards psychology and spirituality. And when I went to grad school, um, I came in as uh, someone who had a strong interest in Buddhism and so forth, and, and kind of tying that together with, with therapy, bringing those insights into therapy. And um, what happened at my school, which was a very holistic um, school for psychology, where we studied religion, spirituality, and all kinds of things uh, in combination with psychology, I became a, a mystic. I, I just became completely devoted to to awakening. Hmm. Um, so it just got stronger and stronger. And, um, you know, like most therapists uh, and spiritual seekers, I wanted to live a more aware life. I wanted to uh, be free from my suffering. And I did become a lot more conscious on my, uh, in my process of, of doing all this inner work um, but what, and I became more self-actualized as well, but there was still something that, um, was not, was not completed or, or fulfilled in me. And that was the spiritual, spiritual quest for, for true, 
um, awakening or enlightenment to to know truly the meaning of words like oneness or unconditional love, uh, non-duality, um, to understand many of these mystical um, teachings. And um, that's the, really what I wanted, and that kind of led me into a, a collision course with uh, really the meaning of life and death. A collision course. I like how you put that. Yeah. 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 Um, is this your experience that happened in 2006, that this is the collision course? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so, because, um, you know, in classical mysticism, there's there's the metaphor of, of death and rebirth. Um, there's a metaphor of moving from darkness, of course, to enlightenment, mm-hmm. or from a state of sleep to awakening. Right. So we may not know exactly what that means until we start to traverse this inner path of emptying and um, awareness whereby we actually go through a a psychological process of death. And I like to say that all death is psychological. Of course, there's a physical experience, there's a physical aspect of death when the body dies, Mm -hmm. which is totally unique to itself. But the Spiritually and psychologically, there's a process of death that weans us off of the material, the materiality and the, the body identification, and the more, more deeply, the mind identification, yeah, the, the attachment to our identity, the belief that we are this social character or personality. And so there's a process of weaning off of that. And people who, when we start going through that, as I did, it feels as if you are leaving the world. It feels as if you are abandoning life itself. It feels as if you might be exiled from humanity. Even though you're seeking higher consciousness, perhaps to be a benefit to humanity um, and to free your own heart and mind, you feel that you are going you know, into some kind of abyss, maybe. Wow. Can you take um, us back so, to what happened? I mean, was it a gradual thing or did it like a Yeah. You actually have a like yeah, an experience so, one night. Okay, so yeah, the gradual aspect was that as I became more aware and conscious, I noticed all the usual benefits. You know, you're just more integrated, you're more at home in your own skin, you're more comfortable in your own skin, you you are able to function better in life, you're more loving, you're more um happy in general, but what happened was because of the drive toward God, I would say, toward true um, self-realization, there was a movement to awaken from that identity and abandon the, the strictly personal sense of self. And so, right at the point where you're living a very conscious and more happy life, there's a sense that there's, now I have to become almost as as nothing. And what happened to me was I encountered uh, the first book written by Eckhart Tolle, uh, The Power of Now. Mm -hmm. And I, that book made a huge impression on me. I was familiar with these basic ideas of ego and awakening and so forth, but the way he put things um, really summed it up for me and simplified and clarified it. And so my sense of inner peace went up, and it must have doubled or tripled, I don't know. And I lived with those teachings of daily um, moment-to-moment presence, awareness, of practicing being aware of your mind, of your thoughts and feelings. And... I I also, at that time, felt like a diminishment of, of the egoic or strictly personal sense of self. So I felt like I was more nobody. Hmm. Now, already, because, because I was being put in touch with that observing presence, that observing presence in you that is not, it doesn't have a name. It doesn't. It's not your body, it's, it's consciousness. And so I knew that 
okay, I don't know exactly what this presence is, but I know I know that there's this presence that's observing that isn't it isn't strictly personal. It's not Michael. It's it's just this presence of con- this conscious presence. And so I was observing, observing, and I already had a strong sense when I encountered that that teaching that I was much more nobody and could not really identify so strongly anymore with my usual shtick, you know, my usual um, persona. And so I lived with those teachings for a few years, uh, trying to constantly remember and putting the sticky notes on the wall and so forth. And then, you know, you know, that already would be, you could maybe call that an awakening. It was certainly a significant shift. But what happened was there was a, at one point there just arose this very intense devotion to total, total freedom. I would say to, to total love as well, to, to a complete devotion to reality, a devotion to, to truth that rose up and it drove me to find a, a local living teacher who I could actually talk to and get feedback from. That's good. So, good news. Yeah, yeah. I felt a need for some kind of direct contact. Um, so I went to a local... Um, spiritual teachers meeting and uh, that that was after absorbing this teacher's messages and 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 feeling a, a deep, even deeper confirmation it's like I hit I, I hit into a deeper level of, of understanding and I don't know how I could maybe call it grace that that it that it some kind of movement of grace, came about where one day as I was reflecting on these teachings, the this shift came about where I, I truly realized that I was I was not the body or mind or anything other than this pure consciousness or spirit. And it was just so subtle. It was like you know, it's like the sunrise at dawn. It was like just a soft dawning of this immense understanding that that I was nothing and nobody other than this this pure intelligence or awareness. You know what's interesting hearing you talk is when you first wrote me you said although I didn't have a near-death experience like in a, that typical sense what you're describing now is something that a lot of people that do have a near-death experience or do cross over into the light they have this experience that they're not their body but they are they still exist and they are pure consciousness they're they're pure love uh they feel like love unconditional love on a uh, just really immense feeling of it and it it's sounding to me like you're you've experienced yourself i guess the best way to say is on a soul level but while you're still very much a human being. Does that sound right? That sounds exactly right. So that's pretty exactly cool. Exactly right. Pretty my body was still there, Sandra. <laughs> um, my body was there. The mind was there. I mean, I could think. Yeah. But it was like, it was like the matrix, like just waking up within this matrix. And it was, it was a, like a sense of, just a, a very a profound sense of love and um, and purity. The purity of the soul level or consciousness was so overwhelming, and it actually started to to, to then it really started to to bubble up and and go. It went further after after that. Actually, what um, do you mean? To what I I would call well, I call it a mystic death or a classical enlightenment. Um, now the the enlightenment is not it's not separate from the understanding that's arising. There's a there's a kind of intellectual aspect of understanding that's coming about, and that's part of it too. But the mystic death is a kind of epiphany or revelation. 
And so first I would say there was that subtle dawning of this, this realization that I'm not any of this. And that would, that itself was, was just a great release and a great awareness. And then the energy, energy started to move in me and it's, you know, chakras started to light up, which I had never any knowledge or concern about chakras. Things started to light up and energy started to move and a great sense of love would flow and bliss. And then I was sitting in a, I was in a restaurant one evening with some friends and I realized that I was absolutely intoxicated with bliss. Wow. And I wasn't just intoxicated with bliss. I was, I was aware that I was completely free. I was completely out of this world. I was looking at people without the slightest sense of self-consciousness or concern. It was as if the universe was looking through my eyes, not anything else, or you call it God, whatever you want to call it. I was just looking around at people almost like an infant, except I was totally conscious. And I realized that I, I this was strange, mm-hmm. and yet, um, and I was also, I, I started to realize that the bliss was really starting to move, and that this was new. And I, 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 I understood that the feeling of bliss was, kind of the after effect of, of the realization, the, the, the awakening. So, okay, so, so, so I'm feeling good. You know, this feels good. Mm-hmm. I was aware of the feeling as a feeling. I wasn't worried about it. But what I didn't know is that some kind of profound thing was about to happen, which was um, a friend uh, at the table, the note, you know, who I'd, I'd actually just met, was a friend of our a friend said she noticed that I was something weird was going on with me because when I when people would look at me I I would just stare at them I was helpless um and I must have looked high or something mm-hmm. so she she asked me what was going on and I I gave a generic response that I was having some spiritual experiences recently and she said oh that's cool and she said so you're very so you're just very zen right now. <laughs> <laughs> But when, when she said this, it was actually just like those old Zen stories where, where someone says something or you hear a, a rock hit, hit some bamboo mm-hmm. and you, it triggers something. And as soon as she said, you're very Zen right now, I just burst into this crazy laughter. Like it erupted out of me like a wild laughter as if the, the Buddha was laughing, the universe was laughing and laughing. <laughs> And yet, as consciousness, <laughs> I was aware that this, this last, I was aware of this inc- uncontrollable thing happening, and I was just observing. And when the laughter finally uh, died down, I started, I was seized by like, like heavy, intense breathing, and almost as if I was starting to weep or sob, but there was no emotion whatsoever. And I just had one thought, which was just let it be, whatever, whatever it is, just let it be. It was just an instantaneous thought. And, and as, and the breathing was just really intense. And suddenly then the world just exploded. I just disappeared. And it was as if, and in that, in that instance of disappearance, there was a rush of radiant energy, like from way below me to way out of me. I would say like out of the top of my head, but it was, it was more like, it wasn't as if some energy went up through me and out the top of my head. It was more like, it was more like my body was suddenly replaced by a lightning bolt. And there was just a disappearance. And this is a, this is a kind of meditate. This happens, can happen in Samadhi. It's called, it's a kind of, uh, meditative experience that people can have. But I was just gone. The world was gone. I didn't know anything about the 
to the restaurant or friends or anything. And when when I re when I resumed normal consciousness, I was sitting at the table and I just went so in other words when I came back into normal awareness I was at the table and I just was in the most sublime supreme peace you could imagine and I some soft laughter came out like just just this absolutely empty peaceful laughter came out of me I was just sitting there with my eyes closed in like the deepest meditative bliss and peace and my friends were wondering is he okay yeah, and I heard course. one of them say I heard one of them say oh, oh he's okay I must have opened my eyes or something and then I, I said yeah I'm okay or something and and then this energetic contraction started happening to me happening to my body my body they call them kriyas in yoga. My body was um, just cringing and, and contracting completely, and I had to go into the into a car and and go through this for a little while. And we were actually at a restaurant by the ocean, and then eventually the contraction stopped, and I came out and I was walking on the beach with my friends, but. I don't know if they could understand what had happened to me, um, but I was reborn. I was absolutely reborn. I was filled with absolute extreme love, benevolence, and gratitude, and I was sobbing a little, and I, I just spontaneously, I took my best friend, who was a real spiritual companion for me all along, and I put my head right onto his chest and I just sobbed and I and I told him how much I loved him and I, I I just was reborn and I they didn't let me drive home that night I they actually drove me home and I got my car the next day so for a few for a week or so I I was non not too functional I was I could function but I I just was so extremely detached from the world and then, and then came the next ten years of my life, which were completely <laughs> different from what came before. Wow! I, I want to just back up just a little bit. I mean, you're a yeah. very smart and well-educated man, and you're having a very profound experience. And when you mention enlightenment, I know at different times I've studied um, different religions and meditation, and you know, I'd always hear stories that people would meditate and um and very rarely but some people would have these i guess the word is enlightenment and then some of the uh, buddhist masters and teachers always talked about this enlightenment and is the access did you do a lot of meditation prior to all this happening like stilling the mind um actually meditation formal meditation was not much of my path I did what I had was since childhood I had a very contemplative temperament uh-huh. so so I just had a lot of inner stillness always I had a lot of inner clarity and awareness of mind hmm. um, but I so I lived you know, I was naturally introverted and contemplative and I I lived a meditative life but I, I actually took I took to Eckhart Tolle's teaching of it's really the depth of presence that you live with meditatively in your daily life that is so powerful. Like being in the moment, right? Is that what? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of being, I know of Eckhart, but I think a lot of people don't mm-hmm. know what exactly you're talking about yeah. presence and the power of now. Can you describe that just a little? Yes, because it's, it's important. very important. So yeah. it's be it's about being vividly and openly aware of your mind in your body and the world in every moment. That doesn't mean suppressing thoughts and trying not to think. You actually do end up thinking less when you do this, but it's it's just about observing and watching and letting it be. You, you're watching your mind and you're 
you're aware of your body in every moment. Like while you're driving, while you're having a conversation, you're just being, you're just, and that, that naturally kind of removes some of the fuel for uh, mindless chatter or chaotic thinking or false beliefs or painful beliefs. Right. So you just, just keep watching the mind and, and you, you're working with your own conscience and your own heart, of course, too, when you think, oh, that person, you know, they really wronged me. And I'm, so you notice, oh, who's this, what is this resentment coming up, you know, and you, you, it is working on your heart and your mind. So that's really, that was my path. Yeah, Michael. Uh, I did do meditation, too. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I just wanted to mention, so often we think the thoughts we're thinking is who we are. And by paying attention to thoughts and feelings, and, you know, you're, you're witnessing these thoughts happening, like you're not purposely creating them, and then what begins to arise is you start feeling like you are an observer of your thoughts and your emotions and all that stuff and I think you brought up the term the observer and when you realize you're not your thoughts and your emotions and you can observe them then it opens up well who am I really you know you are distinct and I think that's what you're talking about when you're talking about the observer and I really do believe that at the moment of our physical death uh, something great happens is that little negative mind ceases to chatter and um, and it sounds as if where we're going now in the next 10 years of your life like you hit a place of just that that purity of soul you know maybe not 24 yeah. 7 we'll find out but um, but it, it gives me great excitement to know that releasing the mind, I guess, and I'm talking the negative mind, the ego, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and living with love and gratitude and forgiveness and being aware, it excites me to hear somebody that's actually experienced it while they're still alive, and then knowing that that's possible. Yes. It's very possible. mm. And you had mentioned you did some meditating um, before I interrupted you. <laughs> yeah, um, I had done. Yeah, I had done some meditating, um, of course, and I'd done a lot of psychotherapy and inner work as mm-hmm. part of my graduate training. So that allowed a lot of emotional releasing, and you know, there were many heart openings along the way too. What do there you mean many, by that? Um. Meeting my own, as I met my own suffering and became aware of my, you know, what I was carrying in the heart and uh, emotions, uh, there was a lot of, there were, there was group therapy, there was um, individual therapy, that, and there were exercises and things we did that brought catharsis, brought a lot of things to the surface and allowed for healing, you know, in the presence of caring, you know, people who, who would, who would hold your hand and Kind of walk you through that and be with you, and that. So you're awakening together in presence. You're releasing things, and there were many shifts along the way that were opening the heart and softening up. There were shifts that came that changed how I spoke, how I, you know, uh, change the tone of my voice. Uh, so there was a lot going on along the way. It's not all just sitting alone in meditation. It's right. working together with other people. Um, I was going to say about death that, you know, mystics have also always said that death offers a great possibility for enlightenment at that moment. As you go through death, as you approach death, if you have the chance to, you know, if you know that you're dying, let's say, it offers a great chance for awakening because you are going through psychologically the experience of letting go and you can kick and scream and you can of course you will struggle with everything that you have not ever wanted to face you will now face it with death so you can face that consciously and go through the letting go consciously or you can hold on and struggle and fight and so how people tend to live how they've lived their lives determines how they die um, maybe or maybe they make a new choice when they die mm-hmm. 
but there's a there's actually a Zen teaching um, from a, a man named Suzuki Roshi who said uh, things teach best when they're dying. Hmm. And yeah, so death is a very very sacred theme to me. It's uh, we're we're death is now, death is now. Life is now, death is now. You you think you're afraid of death, you're afraid of life. You think you're afraid of life, you're afraid of death. It's all the same thing. You're actually, what we're, what we're really afraid of is knowing our true nature because we're afraid that we're going to find out something bad, that, that there is nothing, there is no essence, there is no truth, or there is no God, which many people believe. And we, we are afraid to know the truth because we don't know what truth is. As A Course in Miracles says, you're only afraid because you don't know what truth is. This is deep stuff, but good stuff. And I know, oh boy, or I feel for myself that like the truth resides within me, that I'm not going to find it outside of myself. It's definitely an inner journey to go on to find out what the truth is. Absolutely. Hmm. And and another thing that I think my path showed is that you showed to me at least is it's so much that you your own life, your own mind, your own karma is your path, of course. And yes, you can kind of sign up to a particular religion or path, but really um there's no such thing as just joining the group for enlightenment and then that carries you. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, I mean, you can join a good community and a good kind of supporting structure, but it's really, it's an inner job. <laughs> yeah. There's a meditation, I think it's a Buddhist meditation, um, that is a death meditation and really picturing yourself uh, and you can be very healthy and very much alive, but picture yourself like you're going through your own death. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not that I've done this, but I had this thought about a month ago. Like, okay, what if I die, right? And what it does is it brings, or, you know, maybe my, maybe my days are numbered, you know, it brings everything to the surface. It brings the things left undone, the things left unsaid, um, it was scary. It is scary when I think about it because I think our, our egos don't ever want to die. They don't want to ever think that, you know, yeah. the body's going to go, right? So there's a lot of fear there. But Michael, what it had me do was, I mean, this is just one thing, but look at mm-hmm. the stuff that I have in my life. And I got a lot of stuff. A lot of junk, a lot of books, a lot of clothes, a lot of whatever, and it and it hit <laughs> yeah. me. And this may be simplified, because, but but I'm also doing this in my mind. But I called Salvation Army, and I got rid of, oh God, a dozen bags of clothes, sixteen boxes of stuff, mm. and and so <laughs> I'm talking about you know physical stuff. But it also had me look at the things in my mind that I'm holding on to. The things, uh, communications left undone, the forgiveness that hasn't happened, that's needed to happen. And so, although I'm not all the way there, I feel like I did a huge cleaning out, both physically and mentally. But it all came from looking at my, like, upcoming death. And so, it may sound scary and, you know, but... If we really do those moments before we physically die, you know, have these experiences of, like you were discussing, even, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, I mean, there's fear there. There's, you know, you think about the things you should have done or shouldn't have done or left unsaid or regrets. But like, what if we chose like consciously to think about that stuff now? Um Yes. You know, what would that provide? And so now I want to ask you, after that experience, you've lived 10 years. Is there a different way of living having had that rebirth? Um, <laughs> absolutely, there is. Thank and I, goodness. I just want to say he hesitated. First, <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? Um, there's, well, it's a, a total 
totally different life. But I, I wanted to say first that doesn't it feel so good to contemplate death and bring every all of that meaning and um, bring everything right close to home? What am I living? What do I need to let go of? What do I still need to forgive? And to get rid of, yes, physical things, that it feels very good. Um, the meditation on death is something I did and still do. It, it's just living with death, living with the impermanence of things and it brings it actually releases so much love if you can if you can really um really be aware of how precious life is and how precious everyone around you is we're all here together from human to animal to plant it's so precious and one thing that i you know felt um through meditating on death and then after especially after the awakening was, and then I'll go forward to the 10 years and all, mm-hmm. um, was just overwhelming preciousness, overwhelming love. Sometimes I would be making breakfast and I would, some kind of just little song would come out or something, and I would just collapse, literally collapse in, into ecstatic weeping. I couldn't control the the love I felt was overwhelming. And I don't mean... I don't mean some kind of in, like sentimental love. I, I I mean that the heart was like almost just I don't know bursting with this preciousness and um, devotion. It's such a it's such a profound thing. I it's it's um, and it sometimes it would start happening in public, and I'd have to kind of <laughs> go go into my car or something. But um, it so so one of the feelings going forward from this awakening was that I am now dead. In I don't mean that in a morbid sense, but there's something has died, and I'm now looking. It's like I've come back to life. I've I've died, and I've come back to life, and now I'm looking at everything, even my own face in the mirror, as as if it's a dream. And yet, I don't mean, usually we say it's a dream or an illusion, like in some negative sense, but I actually see it as a divine dream. Mm-hmm. How beautiful, how precious, and seeing, you know, relating to my parents from that place and seeing them as innocent and seeing all things through this new view, which is totally, it's timeless. There was a sense that, and there still is the sense that the world of time is now completely embraced and pervaded by this timelessness and absolute presence. Like usually before awakening, we're trying to be present or become present. Right. And now it's like, you can't get away from this presence. There's only this presence, timelessness and love and aware intelligence in which the world of time and space is unfolding. And you, What's happened since, for me, in these 10 years, is just the experience of fully loving and cooperating with that unfolding. Okay, how does this human life function now? It's going to function differently. Um, Were all my delusions and confusions and rough edges gone after this? No, they weren't all gone, but the fundamental identification of I'm a separate self, I'm that, that sense of heaviness or that sense of a veil between me here and the world out there or little me here and God out there, that veil or division, that mind of duality, was gone. So I now witnessed the, the confusions or rough edges or uncertainties from a totally free and loving view. Um, so there was a sense of when I suffered, I was, I was completely with the suffering, but I wasn't the suffering. Um, no matter how deeply I, I might weep or, or wonder about what to do, there was a sense of, I'm engaging in this, it's coming through me, but I'm not this, I'm never, I'm not any of this, I'm never defined, and we are never defined by what's happening in and through us. We are just, it's coming through us for a reason. And when we look at it from this point of view of timeless 
infinite presence and love, then it actually doesn't stick. Actually, things move through better. They move through more easily and quickly. Not because we're trying to get rid of it and, you know, move, 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 but it's, it's moving, it's allowed to, the intelligence of life, of spirit, actually is allowed to function more when you just harmonize with it. So, in these 10 years, um, there's just been so much more um, releasing and, and alignment and, well, the main thing that happened was um, coming into the role of speaking about this 24-7. Um, that was such the feeling, and I know that so many of the, the people who've been on your show, that they feel they have the the duty and the the joyful the joyful work of of speaking about this mm-hmm. to people. It's a responsibility. Writing, <laughs> yeah, writing a book. Yeah, and it's a labor of love. Of to, course, to find the words, and you know the words are never exactly perfect, but find the words and just tell people because it's the right people who who are ready to hear this will will hear it, and that's been such the sense for me is that there's this inspiration from beyond um, that is now here with me that is it just it just comes I could write I, I feel like I have 10 books inside of me and I the teachings the teachings come and the teachings are addressed to people at different levels in their spiritual um, journey I can I can speak to someone who's never heard of these things and I can speak to someone who's you know, been seeking for 20 years and, and still wonders what is enlightenment, what is, how do I really do it? I've been meditating. Um, I'm still having these problems. And so I've studied so much the Eastern teachings and the Western. Um, and, and I'm very comfortable and fluent in both. And, and so there's a kind of activation of this um, sharing and speaking role that, that has been a whole new adventure for me, and uh, I, I'm beyond grateful for it. Hmm. I, I've had this vision in my mind. One of the things I write in my book very playfully is that uh, we're a soul and we choose to come to this great place called planet Earth, and you know there's going to be adventures and we're going to meet other people and there's emotions and there's things to learn and you know our soul gets to grow. But the one thing is that while we're here, we forget who we really are. You know, that's part of the yeah. deal. And one reason, I mean, I love doing this show, but it, it also helps me to keep engaged in these conversations to help me remember that I'm not my ego. I'm not, you know, we all blame ourselves for different things, but I'm not that. And um, the last episode I had was with a woman who spoke about angels. Her name's Lorna Byrne, and um, she's got million readers around the world and she was talking about we each have a guardian angel and it was really impactful when she spoke about it because she says you know imagine that right behind you there's this loving being that you know came into this world with you and will has been by your side uh you're its number one um job while you're here and it also takes you back home again when this visit is over but to look through the lens of your guardian angel and see about yourself um, only pure love see this soul see that it's growing it's, it's here on earth for a short time and you know I'm just thinking of the way you're speaking it's just like I'm feeling this this unconditional love that's arising in me this sense of forgiveness this sense of um, grace and glory that you know that we can each have for ourselves you know, just by, like, there's something available that tapping yeah. into a sense of enlightenment and, and um, but to use that to empower ourselves on our journey and to realize, you know, it's a short journey here, you know, but the moment yeah. that our bodies do go, you know, we're going to just simply open our eyes and be greeted by our loved ones and, and, and it'll be great. So it's just, you're just reminding me about a lot of, uh, Self-love, forgiveness, uh, gratitude, like all those good things that we can experience right now. Yeah, yeah, I just love that, what you said about the 
grace and glory and the self-love that comes through through our angelic friends and other messengers. And there are, you know, one of the most wonderful things I've seen is that um, we're each uniquely attuned and prepared to um, share these messages in our own way. And, and, you know, I traveled to Holland to to do some teachings and I was, I was, um, accompanied by you know, people who work with angels, people who work with, who, who, who hear different forms of guidance in different ways. And there are people who, who understand energy. There are people who, um, just know what others are feeling. I'm more, I'm more like that. The, the, uh, uh, feeling level. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there are these, it's a, it's a divine cosmic tapestry of of intelligence that can it can awaken us and infill us with that love in so many ways once we start opening to it and i wanted to um gosh that reminds i actually wanted to share a dream that uh, it comes to me now to share a dream that i had sure um, about this um so one so there was a period after the awakening where I went through, you know, the dark night of the soul. So maybe this will be uh, relevant to to our listeners, and I think other uh, near-death experiencers have gone through this, where there's a sense of divine homesickness and disorientation after having died and coming back, and there's a wanting to die and just go back to pure spirit and God. And for a time, for me as well, I I didn't want to live in the world. I I had no taste for duality or mm-hmm. things for a while. I was so. First of all, the mind was so silent. I found it difficult to speak for a while, and I felt no. I just didn't want to go back into the illusion of things, but. So for a while, I was almost like I had this divine schizophrenia. You know, I'm in the world, but not of it. And I have to live this life. There's a life still. There's still karma moving. There's still a a sort of a life mission that's unfolding. Um, But I don't know how to do it because I'm not even motivated the way I used to be. I used to be like, okay, I'm going to do this, and you project your future, and then I'll get that, and I'll be happy. So when you're in this infinitude of peace and kind of knowing it's really weird to start learning how to cooperate and uh, move through life. But one night I, I, I had one of these nights during that period of, of uh, the dark night of the soul, which t- actually tends to come after awakening um, in the classical literature of mysticism. I, I go to sleep and I have this dream that, you know, my, my home is, is being invaded and taken over by this um, criminal gang, uh, organized crime. And the dream was a process of me gathering up the courage to, to stop it and to stand up to them. And when I did, there was um, the, one of the criminals uh, handed me a shotgun. He didn't turn it on me. He actually smiled at me and handed me a shotgun and I knew immediately to point the shotgun into the night sky, way up into the night sky and fire it. And when it fired, the sky burst into this rapidly shifting series of divine images, um, almost like stained, um, stained glass, Mm -hmm. that kind of color, that richness. And there was all these medieval symbols and ornate kind of, you know, themes and dukes and kings and queens. And they were, it was like something out of Shakespeare. And they were all kind of winking at me. And they were kind of, it was, as soon as this, these images came, there was like a flood of ecstasy. And the message was that it's all fine. It's all a cosmic dance. It's such a, it's such an elaborate hoax. And, but it's all fine. It's all infused with absolute love and uh, 
intelligence. And this is the kind of um, message or knowing that we come to one way or another. We can receive a message like this in our dreams or from an angel or just direct into our mind. Um, so what the thing that helps us to receive it is to let it come through any channel that it wants for you. It's, you every person is uniquely prepared to receive the, me- the message. Hmm. And I know for myself, the more I quiet my mind, the more cool stuff kind of comes through me. Even, I don't know if you've had the experience of taking a bath or shower when your mind's quiet and all of a sudden you get great ideas. You know, um, and I, I do think there's an, an access way yeah. if we do learn to quiet our mind. And we only have a few minutes left, Michael. And I'm wondering if you can give us maybe some on-the-court things that maybe we can do to just break the surface and get into this a little. Uh, when we're recording this is um, just prior to Christmas 2016. And I know there's a suffering. I know it's a hard time for many people who have had losses and life might not be going the way you expected it to or your loved one might not be present. Um, yeah. Is there some thing you can give us or just some helpful hints that we can do today maybe to alleviate a little suffering to be in the now um anything that that comes to you okay yeah i'd be glad to you know along the lines of what you said quieting the mind and developing that basic observing and receptivity that is the first step of humility and opening just watching the mind that really is a foundational practice hmm. to watch the mind. Watch the mind. So and it's busy. <laughs> yeah, it's busy. It can be, yeah. But you're always there. Once you start intently watching it, it will start slowing down. But with that with that quieting and observing comes an opening of heart. And you can start to... What I would advise people is whatever suffering and grief and frustrations and complaints you have with life right now, if you can just open your heart and mind to the possibility that it is a divine dream and there is a divine reality in this, there is grace moving through every event, through every thought even, even the most, you know, hateful, confused thought. There's a, it's like grace is trying to break through your own, the mind is reaching to itself, it's trying to awaken, it just doesn't exactly know how. So you if you can just start opening yourself to the possibility that there is a divine intelligence that is your nature, it is your mm-hmm. consciousness, that once you start to stand in that consciousness and look at life from that, it starts to reveal its grace and its healing message for you. So I teach awakening through love and truth. It's love and truth together. The truth aspect is consciousness, discerning your consciousness from all the other stuff, body, mind, thoughts, feelings, perceptions, all that stuff is coming through you. It's not you, because you can observe it. That's the truth aspect, getting that clarity aspect. Now, the love aspect is gratitude, humility, expressing. If you want to feel more love, start expressing and extending love to people in any way. If you have a down day where you just feel kind of down, say, you know, what's one thing I can do today that just serves someone else, that offers something? Even if I don't have much energy, can I make some kind of offering to another person? It's by extending love that we start to awaken to the fact that our nature is love. So forgiveness is absolutely core to to this as well. You have a quote that I stole off one of your blog posts that says, there is no greater joy than to extend kindness, forgiveness, and appreciation to others. And that's just what you're speaking now. Yeah, that's really what we're here to do. And I often fail to do that. You know, I, I we all get distracted into, um, you know, our own, what, what, what we're kind of preoccupied with our own thing. But if we can just keep coming back to that, 
you know, it really, that's what we're here to do. And it sends out these ripples of spiritual energy and, and love to others that, um, that is what we're here to do. As long as we're here, that is what we need to do is learn how to love and love requires truth as well. Mm, beautiful words. Um, and finally, let me just ask you, how can people reach you? And you, I know you offer your public meetings, um, but do you offer any coaching or anything like that? I do, yeah. yeah. I work with spiritual seekers around the world um, on Skype or by phone. And so people, that's by donation, and people can uh, write to me uh, at michaeldamian.phd uh, at gmail.com. And that's all on my website as well. And tell uh, us your website once again. I, yes, it's uh, org. Very good. And, yeah, please just write to me, and, and I can certainly work with, with anyone who, who would like to. Mm, thank you so much. And uh, just one thing I want to add, I am a technology geek myself, and I've found it very hard in the past to make a practice of meditating. And I found this gadget called the Muse, M-U-S-E. And it's almost a couple hundred bucks, I think. But it's something you put on your head and behind your ears. almost looks like a headset. Uh, but what it does is it tracks your brain waves. And you listen to, and you can do this with your iPhone or your smartphone, it plays uh, the sound of water brushing up against a beach. And it's tracking your brain waves. And as you start thinking busy thoughts, it actually makes mm-hmm. the sound of like stormy, windy weather. But as you calm your mind and get into the meditative state, um, it actually slows and it's very, it's just really beautiful. And then when you get to that deep state of meditation, you start hearing birds chirping. And so the reason oh, that's I'm awesome. bringing this up is because now today uh, is day five that I'm doing it, but it's causing me to actually make a practice of meditating because it's fun to do and it's really interesting. But every time, you know, my thoughts start to race, I start hearing windy <laughs> wind and things. But then all of a sudden, you know, I can really relax into it uh, and and get to a deep state. And all of a sudden there are those birds that show up. So from being a technology geek it is actually a piece of technology that i'm using to put in a practice that i've wanted to for so long but anyways if anybody's interested it's called muse m-u-s-e it's super cool um but anyways that's just my my little commercial break yeah yeah it really it really is cool it really is cool but it's really helping me make a practice and um many people have heard the show know that I've I've written some pretty profound words and I actually don't think I'm writing them. I, mean, I think things are coming through me. Um but it's when I can yeah. when I can get into that those moments and um anyways, that's that's enough about me. Um but yeah, Michael well, I think that's a great tool. Yeah, I do too. Because it's actually causing me to want to meditate every day because I want to hear those birds. <laughs> but it's not only hearing the birds. It feels so good to just have the mind at rest. You know, oh, it's awesome. It really is awesome. So I want to thank you, Michael, Damien, for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Sandra. And it was just my pleasure to speak with you and with your listeners. Yeah, and we'll do some more. I'm feel strongly about that and for you our listener today thank you for spending the last hour with us um as always you can go to we don't die radio.com and this has been episode 131 with michael damien and you can click on it and as soon as his book is available um i will promote it it'll be on this site as well and remember you can always go to we don't die radio.com and click on the insiders club and there you get a copy of my how to survive grief audio um copy of my book if you'd like to read it and a whole bunch of other goodies lots of goodies and in closing i want to say that it's been a great pleasure to not only spend this interview with you but gosh this is episode 131 and i know there are those of you out there who have listened to every single one and are empowered for your life and that's all i want to do for all of us is really wake us up to we are not our bodies we are not who we think 
We are. We are divine souls having a human experience. When you close your eyes here on planet Earth for the last time, they're going to open to another greater, more beautiful reality with our loved ones, our pets, and not to worry so much. Make this life count. Get your money's worth out of life. Go after your dreams. Uh, Forgive where you need to, yourself included. And this is, again, the end of 2016, which I can't believe, but I have big gratitude for you for listening and taking on your life. So in closing, my name's Sandra Champlain, and I've been your host. And like I said, I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. You are special more than you ever know. You're wonderful. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.